Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. The situation is getting better day by day, but it cannot be compared at all with what you have in the U.S. And most importantly, you are fortunate enough in the U.S. to have ADA, or American Disability Act, what we don't have currently in Iran. And as today's guest sort of hinted at there, we'll be talking about conditions for the blind in Iran. We'll be speaking with Ali Asghar Asadi, a blind teacher of blind and visually impaired students in Iran. We'll talk with him about the challenges of acquiring assistive technologies, how legal protections for the disabled are evolving, employment opportunities for the blind, and much more. And throughout this episode, we will be hearing music that Ali composed, performed, and produced, and they are all going to be excerpts from a piece called Molana, as was that little bit that you just heard at the beginning. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Ali Asghar Asadi. I think if you want to get something seriously, you have to work harder. Otherwise, you won't be able to get what you want because of not working hard. Never give up. Never give up and never give up. Hard work and persistence are certainly important in getting any job done and overcoming any obstacles. And that's true for any person and any desire. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by APHConnectCenter.org, empowering people toward independence and success by providing blogs, information, and resources for individuals of all ages who are blind or visually impaired. Information and referral line are at 1-800-232-5463. Let's start by meeting Ali. I am Ali Asghar Asadi, a blind English teacher teaching English for almost 17 years here in Iran, specifically in Tehran, in the largest school for the blind, namely um, Shahid Mohebi compound or residential school for the blind. And I also teach assistive technologies uh, for the blind. I know Braille, and I'm also a musician playing the piano, and I managed to have my own choir for almost a decade, which uh, got some national honors too. But I gave up that because of my own personal life. So you said you teach at the largest school for the blind in Iran. How many students are there? Almost 130 students are currently Uh, registered in uh, that school. And what is the state of your vision? Do you have any vision at all? Well, uh, let's say 
I is supposed to be legally blind, not totally, because I can say light, shadow, and some obstacles on my way, but it's not a usable vision to read and write in ink. And you said you use Braille. Do you use any other assistive devices for mobility or for interacting with computers? Simply, I use uh, screen readers, and Braille is used uh, via reading and writing with Perkins Brailler and some other mechanical devices like, you know, Slate and Stylus. And uh, actually, I can use, uh, you know, Braille note takers and Braille viewers, but, uh, you know, these are so expensive in Iran, so I personally don't own any Braille displays or Braille note takers. Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Underwriting pairs the impact of targeted marketing with the integrity of community goodwill. Learn more by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is what conditions are like for the blind and visually impaired in Iran. Now, Ali, you mentioned that you teach at one of the largest schools for the blind in Iran. Can you tell us a little bit about what life is like for blind kids in Iran? So, you know, day by day, the condition is changing. In some cases, I can say fortunately, and some other cases I can say unfortunately. When I say fortunately, that's because of the technology, which is revolutionizing the life for the whole community of the blind folks in Iran. And when I say unfortunately, that's because of the sanctions, economic sanctions against Iran, which has made it impossible uh, to see many uh, new technologies to be imported uh, to Iran because of the sanctions. And those sanctions have imposed many limitations on companies that work in this field, I mean, assistive tech. That's basically the big elephant in the room. We're sitting here in the United States, and you're in Iran, and our governments don't get along, and a lot of these sanctions were imposed by our government. And we personally feel bad about the impact that that's having on regular citizens. But no problem for us and you to just have a friendly conversation. Thank you. (laughs) That's uh, a very good honor for me to sit in an interview, in a frank interview. And, I, you know, since I have myself traveled to the U.S. in 2009, I know a lot about the U.S. myself. You speak English amazingly well. Where did you learn to speak English so well? Uh, thank you. Uh, most of the times I have learned English by myself. In addition to my School years, uh, which English was taught, I simply attended, uh, I believe, five semesters uh, to study English more. But I personally am interested, I'm very interested in English. I have had a hard, a very hard time uh, learning English by myself. But these days, it is not hard at all to learn English for the blind community because they can use screen readers, they can correct their own pronunciation using very natural speaking text-to-speech softwares and so on. But at, at the time I was learning English, it was really impossible. I worked with a number of Japanese people in Japan when I was working at Xerox, 
And some of them spoke English very well, and they told me that they learned their English from watching American movies. I'm wondering how big of an impact that is for people in Iran, the internet, movies, etc. That's quite possible because the internet is available here, and the, the, the positive thing is that internet is available, and if it was not available, we couldn't uh, make this interview to run smoothly. True. Yeah, so pe- people can download English movies uh, with subtitles, audio materials, and even PDF books. And if they can have uh, any Braille viewer or Braille note taker, they can have their own PDF books on their own um, Braille viewers and note takers. But the other thing is that people can emboss using embossers, which are available here, and have their booklets to be published in on paper using Braille. In fact, you contacted us several years ago saying that you were using our podcast to help teach English to your blind students. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I believe it was in 2011, 2012. I'm not sure about it. But at the time I was, uh, I was trying to get in touch, your podcast was namely Viewpoints, I think. Yes. The interesting thing about that was, at the time, internet connections weren't as good, and you requested that we send you our previous episodes on a CD or a DVD because you couldn't get decent downloads of them. And we thought, sure, no problem. We'd like to help out. And we went to our local post office, and they said, you can't send anything to Iran. Yeah, unfortunately, that's right. At that time, we had a very slow internet connection, but now DSL or ADSL internet is available everywhere. So I don't want to say internet is working superbly here, but at least it's working good enough to be able to download whatever you like. So getting back to the school at which you work, I'm in my late 60s. When I went to elementary school, they did separate blind students in this country into separate schools for the blind. These days, though, a lot of students are mainstreamed, and they go to public schools along with their sighted colleagues. And I'm wondering if Iran has been making that transition, or your school is somehow special? Well, uh, Iran has uh, done its transition to mainstream schools, or what they call it as comprehensive or inclusive education. But due to some uh, limitations. I face some students that they believe uh, studying in mainstream schools is a kind of big challenge for them, and they try to get back to special schools. But it is available, and I believe it is in its early days, so it needs time and effort to become something very smooth. And you talked about the difficulty of getting some new technologies and some of the tools that you need to help and teach blind students. Where do you get these resources from if there are sanctions and limitations on that? How do you get around all that? Well, uh, you know, there are people who can import um, some tools and devices because they live abroad. And also there are a few companies which on and off work in this field, but they are very limited. And by the way, there are few companies who try to make some products uh, exactly like Braille viewers and 
Braille ambassadors and Braille note takers for the blind community in Iran. But uh, the quality of such things uh, cannot be compared to those made in the U.S. or Canada. Uh, for instance, those made by Freedom Scientific as their own hardwares, not softwares. I'm, I'm simply talking about hardwares. In case of software, that's something else. But in case of hardwares, the quality of what people make in Freedom Scientific, Kurzweil, Dolphin, and some other high-tech companies for the blind, it cannot be compared with those things that are made in either Europe or, or the U.S. or Canada. Yes, they have a global reach and a lot of experience in manufacturing and developing such products. Well, and those products, you said that you couldn't purchase a refreshable Braille display because it's too expensive for you in Iran. Let me tell you, it's too expensive for most individuals in any country. And a lot of people are only able to get that kind of expensive device if they either have a job and their employer gets it or their local agency for the blind is able to provide some financing. Well, there are also a lot of government subsidies for such devices in this country, and they help purchase such equipment for students and the like. Is that the case in Iran? Is there a lot of support in Iran from the government to support people with disabilities? Unfortunately, not at all, because uh, there are no subsidies for the blind to get uh, these expensive tools and devices uh, via uh, discounted prices for themselves. There are some companies trying to make some products for the blind, but I'd like to give you an example, a, a very short story about one of them. I believe uh, it was almost 10 years ago, a company tried to make Perkins Brailler for the blind in Iran, but it was so, so bad that no one tried to use it anymore. Of course, some, some blind folks were uh, working as their consultant for the company, but they couldn't import fabricated materials to make the thing something very elegant and something very practically working. So that's why uh, many blind people still recommend using Perkins Brailler made by Perkins School for the Blind and APH, or American Printing House for the Blind, not the Iranian Perkins. This is an example. And also we have the same uh, issues in case of Braille note takers and Braille displays or Braille viewers. They are available, made by Iranian companies, but they have many issues. I'm sorry for that. Yeah, that's very sad. If you can't get hold of some of the components that you need, you know, even in this country, we don't build all the components of our devices, but we get them from around the world. But if you can't do that, that has to be a real constraint on how you put your products together. I see. So tell us what brought you to this country. You said you have been in the U.S. before. Well, that's a very amazing story because a friend of mine told me that you are really amazing. And I told him that you are kidding me, aren't you? And he told me that no kidding at all. You can have some people help you to go abroad. And I told him that, okay, I will give it a try. And the first time I tried to find someone an NGO in Japan just came on my way and they helped me a lot. Uh, 
the late Walter Spillen, the executive director of that Japanese NGO, helped me come to the U.S. in 2009, where I participated in annual convention of ACB, or American Council of the Blind, held in Orlando, Florida, in the elegant Rosen Center Hotel. That must have been a lot of fun for you. Of course it was. It was a great fun for me and a very great educational trip. Were you able to do any touring around in addition to attending the conference? Sure. When I was in Florida, we attended the Kennedy Space Center and Disneyland or Disney World. (laughs) Disneyland, I think. Yeah, we don't know which is which either. (laughs) Both of those are very fun places to visit, though. We've been to both places. Yeah. And when we flew to New York City, I went to Central Park. United Nations compound, of course, and uh, Broadway theaters, and a very big church that I can't remember its name currently. We did some other tour activities, uh, both in New York City and Orlando, Florida. Sounds like fun. Yeah, it was great. Fantastic. How long were you here? I believe I was there almost one month. And how did you find it getting around here compared to Iran? In the past couple of decades, the U.S. has moved to making transportation and buildings a little bit more accessible to people with disabilities. And I'm wondering how that compares. Well, uh, the situation is getting better day by day, but it cannot be compared at all with what you have in the U.S. because you have stoplight alarms in the U.S. Not enough. Really? Yeah, there are an awful lot of corners without them. And also you have many, many GPS devices with um, accurate maps, uh, which can help the blind community go wherever they like and wherever they want to be. And most importantly, you are fortunate enough in in the U.S. to have ADA or American Disability Act, uh, what we don't have uh, currently in Iran. Of course, uh, recently, They have ratified a law for people with disabilities. I believe we can translate it somehow like a comprehensive law for people with disabilities. But up to now, it seems to be a pile of paper, not a practical law to, uh, you know, affect the lives of people with disabilities, including visually impaired people. But they are moving ahead. So I hope someday we we can uh, talk about a miraculous thing happened in around two. Well, you know, we remember when the Americans with Disabilities Act passed, and it was a long time ago. And it takes a long time to redevelop the infrastructure to make things more accessible. Of course, anything new needed to be built accessible, and whether that's a website or a building or a street. But There's still a lot of stuff around from before, and it took a long time, but, you know, you can really tell walking around now that things are a lot better for people with disabilities than before the ADA, but you have to be a little patient. And it also took a long time for those ideas to fester in people's minds and for politicians to wrap their heads around it to put those laws together. It didn't happen overnight here either. 
Of course, that's true. But, uh, you know, the, the other thing is that we as the blind community have to increase public awareness about the issues we are facing. So that's that's very serious because uh, another part of the story is the movement done by the blind community, not those without any sight loss. You know, when, when someone does not have any issue, so it's reasonable that uh, he cannot or she cannot understand that issue. Yeah, it takes people to advocate and educate the rest of the populace about what the special issues are for people with disabilities. But just let me add up something else in case of inaccessibility uh, for the blind in Iran. One of the serious things is the websites we have to use because, uh, you know, many websites are still using the old method of CAPTCHAs, which are simply a graphic full of unreadable um, characters, numbers, and so on. But, you know, these days, many sites are using, for instance, HCAPTCHA or Google CAPTCHA or Audio CAPTCHA and some other things. Yes. Yeah, so in this case, the blind community are really have a big, big challenge too. There are a lot of barriers to overcome, and even here, we haven't overcome all of them. There's always something that happens, and people have to fight for their rights and accessibility. It's not an easy struggle. I see, but in the U.S., you can sue at least any governmental website which is not to be accessible for people with disabilities, but it is impossible for us in in Iran to sue any company which is using governmental subsidies to uh, make their own websites accessible for people with disabilities, including blind folks. Well, hopefully that will change. I hope so. Well, we talked a bit about education of the blind in Iran. How about once people get out of school and they're blind? Tell us a little bit about the employment situation. Well, when people graduate uh, from high school, they can either try to find a job or try to go to university to continue their studies in higher education to hopefully be able to find a job after graduation from universities. The point is that the government says that almost 3% of the job vacancies must be available to people with disabilities, but this law is not observed properly. You know, we have some public exams for people to get some vacancies countrywide. But when these uh, public exams for getting a job, I mean, governmental jobs, not not, uh, jobs for private sectors, when these jobs are advertised via any public exams or interviews, unfortunately, people with disabilities, especially people with visual impairment, are discriminated because uh, either during the exam or during the interview, they say, oh, sorry, you are a very good candidate. You are a good fit. But since you are blind, you might not be able to do the job properly. So we are sorry. We cannot give you the job. Also, uh, we have some people that are entrepreneurs or self-employed in Iran, either graduated uh, in higher education or graduated simply after high school. They work in many, many different fields, which seems to be unbelievable for me too. But we have lawyers, we have teachers, 
we have, you know, even farmers, yeah, carpenters, even we have people that are managed to ha have a computer shop or we have software programmers working with Java, Visual Basic, and other computer programming languages too. So that's similar to here. One issue here is the unemployment rate for people with visual impairments is very, very high, about 70%. Is it similar in Iran? I believe yes. What I know is that at least 70% of people with uh, visual impairment are unemployed here. The other thing, which I'm sorry about it, is that they are not paid as something like pension or whatever you call it in, in the U.S. So it is a very bad situation for a blind person if he or she does not have any jobs because they will remain dependent on their parents to afford their lives. Right. That's, that's really too bad. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about resources and conditions for the blind in Iran and how to contact Ali Asghar Asadi. Ali, if people had questions for you, how could they get a hold of you? People can reach me via my email address, which is aliasghar.asadi at gmail.com. That's A-L-I-A-S-G-H. A-R dot A-S-A-D-I at gmail.com. Of course, it will be available in your notes, too. It will. And you did say that your actual name, Asadi, is spelled with two S's, but your email address is spelled with one. <laughs> That's quite funny, because when I made my email address, it was back in 2003, I think, when I didn't have uh, my passport issued. So uh, when I had my passport, I was too lazy to make another email because at that time I had many, many connections and uh, I couldn't give them another email address to be able to reach me my, my new email address. Are there any resources that you wanted to mention to people who might be more interested in pursuing information about conditions for the blind in Iran? Well, there are many resources for blind folks to get information about how the blind community spends time and lives in Iran. But unfortunately, many, many of them, and I possibly can say all of them are in Farsi, our mother tongue. Uh, but uh, I will try to get some specific pages, if possible, in English. And if yes, I will let you know them via your notes in eyes and success we will put those in the show notes yes thank you that would be great thank you and as usual the show notes associated with this episode will contain all of that information and all the links you'll be looking for you can find them at www.eyesonsuccess.net that's it for show number 2218 
Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking mostly about ourselves and our show. We do this once or twice a year, and our listeners tell us that those are fairly popular episodes, so we're doing it again. This one is basically an interview that Sonia Usach-Kun did of us for an episode of Community Connections, which is aired on the North Carolina Reading Service. So if you want to hear a little bit more about us, tune into that episode next week. See you then. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.